0: This podcast is brought to you by the Jewish United Fund of Chicago. Hello and welcome to episode one of the Reflective Teacher Podcast. I'm Martha Weil and together with my real-life co-teacher and co-host Lindsay Elliott, we're bringing you interviews with experts in early childhood education. We hope these stories will inspire you and give you that aha moment that we as teachers find so refreshing and clarifying. Over the course of this episode, we hope you'll reflect and make connections that will help you bring intention and motivation to your classroom each day. Today's episode is all about new beginnings. Whether you're starting the year with a whole new group of kiddos, or you just have a few new friends joining your class, it can be overwhelming to think about all the planning, relationship building, and routine establishment that needs to be done. Enter Jenna Bilmes, our guest on today's show and author of the book, Beyond Behavior Management, The Six Life Skills Children Need. During our interview with her, we chat about practical ways you can accomplish all the important goals you have for bonding and setting expectations with your new students. Her book outlines six life skills that young children need, and today we discuss two of those, belonging and attachment. So without further ado, here is our interview with Jenna. Um, So before we get into the nitty-gritty, how about you share a little bit of your origin story? Um, Like how did you become so interested in the work of building relationships with children and how did you get to um, the place you're in now?
1: Well, I grew up in the 50s and 60s. I'm old enough to be your grandmother. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And at that time, everybody was doing punishment and reward. And back at that time, there was a lot of spanking and hitting and stuff going on. And that was very common during that time. And people tend to parent the way they were parented. And when we talk about teachers, they tend to teach the way they were parented also. As just, that's how you deal with children. So when I became a preschool teacher, I was into the behavior chart and punishment and reward and whatever. And at the same time, I had my kids. My first kid was a real easy kid. You just look at him and he would behave. You know, one of those, (laughs) you know, that kind of kid, right? Yeah, that's my kid right now. (laughs) My second kid was the exact opposite. He's the kind of kid, if you smacked him on the behind, he'd go, Didn't even hurt me. Didn't oh boy. Even hurt me. Which, yeah, and you know how that makes you feel, right? Yeah. Like, Oh, well, <laughs> let me hit you harder, right? But, and he'd escalate, I'd escalate, he'd escalate, I'd escalate. And I reached a point where I was scaring myself that I could do something I'd really regret. And we didn't have a good relationship when he was a kid. Totally. And I thought there has to be another way to do this. This kid does not respond the way my other kid responded. So I was teaching in a preschool and it was this we did timeouts, we did behavior charts, sit in the chair, think about it, all the standard stuff. <laughs> and there was this teacher that came in and I write about her in the book. She came in and I'm watching her on the playground because at that time I was a director, and there were kids throwing balls over the fence, which was against the rules, and you had to sit in out if that happened. So I'm watching, and the kids throw a ball over the fence, and she goes over and hugs the kid, and she's chatting with him, and rubbing his back, and I'm thinking, what is she doing? <laughs> you know? It just was so foreign to me. And I noticed the kids all behaved with her. She never had a problem with children. If they did something wrong, she did her little chit chat and they were fine. And that got me to thinking, I think there's another way. And I think this lady's got the secret.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's really where it started, where I worked with her for a few years and ended up working in a program with a lot of at-risk kids with another really good educator. And we started practicing and developing opposite ways. We did no punishment, no reward in our program, ever. And we had tough kids. We were a program called the Program of Last Resort. That's what we called it. Wow. Kids who were kicked out, two, three, four-year-old kids who were kicked out of a number of different programs, really troubled kids. And so we practiced all these and developed a lot of these techniques with those kids. So that's where it was. That, now I look back on my, son, my problem son. I've apologized to him a million times. We have a great relationship, and he was very successful, thank God. Well, that's but, great. Um, So that's where it came. It was my own kind of guilt about my own child and looking for another way to do it.
0: I love that. I think that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you realized that the other way wasn't working. And there's there was a different way that seemed to be working. And it's that really important social and emotional connection, maybe, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, um,
1: instead of doing to kids,
0: you need to
1: do it with kids. It's to mm. partner with kids instead of doing to them. I
0: love that. I, you know, I think a lot of people do things to kids. Right. At kids, rather than coming with them is a total game changer for everybody it's true and I think too that that speaks to where we need to almost shift in, in viewing the competency of children too we don't necessarily need to think of them as, as people to do things too they are people so we do things with them just like we would an adult I mean obviously you change things based on age but human beings are human beings
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I think that's probably the core message of everything. If you can accept that piece in yourself and your work with kids, then you've got it made, you know?
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, So let's get into, first we're going to talk about belonging. The chapter on belonging in your book starts out um, with this quote that we love. I'm a part of the group, not apart from the group. Um, It's kind of like we were saying before, um, just with the importance of a connection. So why do you think belonging is so important?
1: You know, just like you were talking about before that kids, treating kids as human beings kind of thing. If I walk into a meeting and I don't know anybody, I don't feel real comfy. You know, it's like, especially... Sometimes I'm asked to, like, join a committee with a bunch of people who know each other. Mm -hmm. And you go in and you're like, I don't know where the bathroom is. I don't know if we're taking a break. How long is the meeting going to (laughs) last? Where should I sit? I don't, everybody knows each other except me. You know, and there's that discomfort where you can't even get into the groove of stuff until you feel like you belong there. And kids are no different. I mean, they're, it's even worse for them because they didn't volunteer to come here. Right. You know, some adult dropped them off and said, here you go, see you later. <laughs> exactly. You know? And even if they know one or two of the other kids, um, they don't know how the system works and they don't know how safe they are. Is there somebody here who's going to hurt me? Hit me? Is there... Somebody, Oh, there's someone in the corner crying. Oh, my gosh, what's that all about? You know, so this is real discomfort. And I think the first thing we need to do for kids is help them feel like this is the right place for them. You landed in the right spot. And we're all going to get along here, and we're all one group, and it's going to work. And I, um, one of the first things we do is um, help kids get to know each other and realize that they have a lot in common, and set norms for the group. So this is our new family. This is where we are, our school family. And this is how we do things here. That's me setting for the group. And then helping the kids learn each other's names, things they have in common, ways to get along with each other. And that's um, one of the reasons, one of the first things we do is we make a class book with kids pictures and things that they like and know and we read it every single day until kids kind of can guess right away when we say oh and here's a picture of Brianna and they go she has a dog we know she has a dog so kids start to get to know each other as human beings
0: can you explain a little bit about um, the details of that class book how that works
1: well, I'll tell you the way we do it. Then I'll tell you the way I've seen it done in other schools. Great. Um, we do it on home visit because we do home visits, That's and great. Um, we bring drawing materials, paper, and markers, kind of thing, for children to do a picture of themselves while we're talking to their parent parents, and um, then we kind of do a little interview with them. With their parents, and we say, oh, so what's your favorite food, and what do you like to do, and what, oh, where is, oh, is that your dog, and do you have any brothers or sisters, and we just write a little story about them with their parents, and we make that a page in a big book, so when, by the time we get to school, we have a page for every child with a drawing they did of themselves and a description, and then we also take, um, digital picture of them and print it out and we put that in the book too and we read that to the kids every day and when we read about each child they're so proud and excited that it's their page and their stuff you know and after we read a page we have people clap or whatever but after a while after a few days we get to a page and we say okay now this person has a big brother who's in first grade and this person likes to ride bikes, and this person lives with their mommy and their grandma. Who is it? And then the kids guess who it is. But after a few days, they know. They pay real close attention, and they know people's backstory, and they can identify them in the book, and they can identify who they are. So just they learn each other really, really fast. I'd say faster than adults. I do. <laughs> They learn, they learn who each other is. So we, have, we also, at that time, we've got all the kids in this book, and we are simultaneously having the children name our classroom, which oh, becomes wow. the title of the book. So our, our, one of our books was The Dragons, Dinosaurs, and Sparkles, I think it was. <laughs> and that was the name of the book. So we, we do a consensus, not a voting thing, but a consensus. So kids suggest names and we write it down. And the next day we talk about it more and debate around. And finally, after a week or so, we could develop consensus with the kids on what we're gonna name ourselves.
0: Really? And there's, is there sometimes somebody who's feeling like, well, I really wanted this name to win and that's not the name we picked?
1: Yeah, that's why the last (laughs) last one that I was just naming the dinosaurs, dragons, and sparkles, Mm -hmm. because we we had trouble coming to total consensus. So we said, well, how about we just use it all (laughs) dinosaurs, dragons, sparkles? And everybody's like, that's great. Okay, Mm -hmm. and we don't care. So as the adult, we don't care. But that's one way of having everybody everybody become a part. If you do voting. Right there, first week, you have winners and losers, and that's not building community.
2: That's true. Yeah, I just I've never thought of it that way. Yeah, that could maybe be something that would be like scary to some kids or kind of like off-putting. Right. Like the winners versus losers right away. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. So, and that sets a tone for the classroom of we're a community and we're going to work everything out until we can all agree on something. That's what we do here. It's not the powerful people win and the not powerful people lose. Otherwise, the shy kid is always on the end. You That's know? so true. And one thing we want to do for the shy kid is to help bring them in and say, you have a voice, too. You're one of us. So, But we keep that book down in the library area for kids to flip through, too, so that they can do that with each other look at the pictures and say who's this who's that and i By bet, looking at pictures
0: i bet they love that too uh,
1: they adore it they uh, adore it now i'm going to tell you real quickly how that doesn't work yes because <laughs> one classroom i went and watched had two new children in the classroom it was beginning of the year things were still flexible and the teacher took the book out and she read it and everybody's waiting for their page only she didn't make a page for the last two kids yet. She didn't get to it. Hmm. That's how it doesn't work. So right. she, every, everybody's doing it. You get to the last page. These two kids are sitting there, and she said, "Oh, I'm sorry. You don't have a page. We'll get you a page." Not good. Hmm. Not good.
0: Right. Totally. You want that to be established before the child arrives.
1: I Absolutely. Bet. Absolutely. Yeah. You can't, in the, especially in those first weeks when you're setting it up, when you're setting up the school family, you can't let anybody feel like the reject or the outsider.
0: I think that goes really um, double for groups that um, don't start with a whole new group every year. Lots of schools kind of just roll over, um, I guess, uh-huh. at some point in the year, right. and so right. they need to be incorporated as well.
1: Yeah, and that has to happen. Really, it's a teacher's responsibility to integrate them day one. There needs to be their cubby and their name and their picture on the cubby and just integrate them right in. Add their page to the classroom book, right? I think it's, it's that's your responsibility. Mm-hmm. I, here's how I kind of equate it. If I were throwing a party in my house, I would welcome everybody that walked in the door personally, no yeah. matter what time they came in. If they came in a little late, I'd still go. I'd see them. I'd go over. I'd greet them. I'd say, oh, I'm so glad you're able to come. Come on in. Here's where we this. And, oh, you know so-and-so. And the same thing when they leave at the end. You say goodbye to everybody individually. And you have that same responsibility in the classroom to each individual child. There you're Not your guests, but they're kind of like the guests in your home. Every kid needs to be acknowledged as if they were coming into your home for a dinner party. Everybody needs to get a goodbye when they leave that says, Oh, we had such a great time today. It was so much fun. I'm so glad you could come. I can't wait to see you again tomorrow.
0: And I think something else you talk about for a welcoming environment is family culture as well. And that goes along with like what should be their day one.
1: As far as the family culture, that's why we do home visits. We had a kid who was kind of an anxious kid in school, and we do our home visits over the first month. We don't do it before school starts, but we did it two or three kids a week for a month or so. And when um, I did the home visit in that house, we're sitting there and talking, and it's a little lower-income neighborhood, and there was a noise outside that sounded like a gunshot. There were t- three kids in the living room and the mother who I was talking to. And as soon as she heard the noise, she said, drop. And everybody okay. dropped to the floor. Me too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? And it turned out to be a car had backfired. And she said, oh, okay, it's okay. It was just a car. And the kids got up and went along their merry way. And I thought, oh, okay. I understand why this kid's anxious at school.
2: Yeah. Now I get
1: it. Now right. I'm anxious. I'm going to be anxious in school now.
2: I know. (laughs) He's probably in constant fear. Yeah.
1: Um, Asking families to bring things into school for the home living area, for the book area. Do you have some magazines that your family likes? Do you you have some empty food boxes that we could bring into the home living area Mm -hmm. for a kitchen? That type of thing. Another thing is starting off on the right foot with parents. And sharing good news, yeah, you know, because eventually there's going to be bad news, you know. And I'm thinking of this one mom, um, her child it was about four, late four. He'd been kicked out of many programs already. Tough kid, real tough kid, and he was in my classroom. And the first day was hell. I, I'll just be frank about that. It was really hard. Um, We had a policy in our program. We never, never would call a parent to pick up their kid for poor behavior, never. So this kid was really, really hard. Mom comes in the end of the day, and the kid is standing next to me, and she looked at me and said, so how was it today? And the kid looked at me, and I said to the mom, he is great. I am so lucky that you brought him into our classroom. And the kid looked at me like, were you here? (laughs) Did you notice? (laughs) You know? Okay, the next day, mom came in, and she said, this is the first good night we have had at home in many years. Everything went so well, and I'm so happy I brought my child here. It was a game changer. Yes. For the mother, for the kid, for me.
0: That's like instant trust building with everybody.
1: Super powerful. And I think... You know, that's part of that attachment to the kids. If they feel that you love them and appreciate them, they'll do anything for you, especially a kid who's has a history of not getting along with people, you know?
0: Totally. I just want to also go over some of these um, activities for supporting belonging before we move on because I really love the activities in here. Like you have make a class pledge and... A class puzzle or a class flag can you talk a little bit about some of those
1: well class flag that's one of the things we do the first week big piece of actually I I went to a very poor school (laughs) since I've been talking about a lot of people use fabric but we had just a big piece of um, butcher block paper and around the edges we had everybody's handprints including the teachers including the cook and the director and the janitor,
2: so school community in included,
1: the school community, and then um, the class name was in the middle, and that would that was hung on the wall. That was the first week, and again, like I said before, if a new kid came in, that was the responsibility. The first day is to get their handprint on that flag. We had pledge, and the pledge was uh, our three guiding principles. We don't we didn't have rules. We had guiding principles, and that was uh, we take care of ourselves, we take care of each other, we take care of our world, which basically means you wash your hands before you eat, (laughs) you flush the toilet, and that's a take care of yourself. You take care of each other by not hurting anybody,
2: right?
1: and you take care of the world by putting things away, not abusing the materials, not drawing on the wall, that kind of stuff. So that would be our pledge in the morning. I we
2: take care that. of ourselves. That's so all-encompassing. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, yeah. And you know, those rules like um, don't run, we don't run inside. Mm-hmm. That's, that's that's not a real rule rule because if there's a fire, you do kind of
2: <laughs> right. Run. Yeah. And it's definitely <laughs> not putting a positive spin on anything. Exactly. It's too specific
0: sometimes. And, yeah. and yeah. when you're broad and you say we take care of ourselves or we take care of others so much falls into that and the kids can then say oh yeah you're right like <laughs> i wasn't i wasn't quite living up to that which is which is a fine learning experience i think and it's not one that's like you broke the rule
1: exactly exactly and those are the three rules kind of you could live by for your whole life
0: exactly Let's let's actually move on to um, routines. So you mentioned a little bit before about how the class book um, that you make kind of uh, establishes a routine during maybe your morning meeting or just whatever time you have together. What else do you think um, are some important routines to establish?
1: this is, again, my personal opinion. I know a lot of people disagree with me, but I think things like morning meeting should be short and sweet and Mm -hmm. follow a very, very specific pattern and be predictable. It's the first thing a kid does during the day and the predictability feels good. So, um, we do a welcome thing, usually a song. we we look around the room and figure out, there are many, many ways to do it, but we figure out who's not there that day and sing them a wish you will song.
2: That's right.
1: um, from yeah, we have that. Becky Bailey. That's Becky Bailey's work.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, um, uh, conscious Discipline, right? Yes, yes. Yes.
1: And she she's the one that originated that whole we wish you will song. One of the jobs we assigned for because every kid has a job. One of the rotating jobs is to write a note to the child who's absent Mm -hmm. and put it in their cup so that when they come back they have some notes from everybody.
0: I love that. Yeah.
1: And when someone comes back we wish them hello again. You came back, yay, we missed you. Mm. Oh, that's great. It's a nice thing to do for people. We do some kind of preview of the day something that will be different. Some children don't do change real well totally so to tell them oh today jeremy's dad's going to come in and he's a police officer and he's going to wear his police clothes so i'm letting you know that that's going to happen later so that's the kind of thing so a kid doesn't get caught by surprise and then some kind of transition game out so kids get transitioned out one one or two at a time if you're wearing red today you can go find something to do if your name starts with p you can find something to do depending on each kids individual level of what they've learned or what they're working on. There's some kids who can't do meeting yet. You might have a younger, an older three in your class if you have a four five class or a very young four. So we do it by if you can do it, you're expected to stay here. Mm -hmm. If you're not ready yet, you can leave after a certain time. Yeah. But we would have kids be there at least for that opening song so there's some point of being together. Mm -hmm.
2: doing a group activity. Yeah, and kind of like establish, like you're starting small with little pieces of the morning meeting and hopefully building up to more of it eventually.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, there's going to be that kid that says, how come Jeremy (laughs) gets to go there with Miss Mary and I don't?
2: I was waiting for that. (laughs) Or like the kid that kind of starts like creeping off the rug to go join the friend that's not there. Oh my gosh, (laughs) they're coloring.
1: And I don't know, in the books that I talk about, The story about the bunny rabbit and the goldfish this is from someone i had done a session and she told me this story and i think it's a great thing to do at test in the beginning of the year at some point when one of these issues comes up she tells a story about the goldfish and the bunny so she tells a kid let's get a pretend goldfish what do we need for a goldfish she does a chart paper thing what do we need oh we need a bowl and she draws a bowl oh we need food she draws food we need water she puts water in the tank we need a little castle. She draws a castle. A couple other things until the kids get bored with it. Then she says, okay, now let's pretend that we're going to get a bunny. So I'm going, and she draws another fish tank. She says, I need another fish tank. And the kids are, no, no. <laughs> they, can't fish yeah. no she, they need a cage and they need carrots and straw and whatever else funny little water bottle thing. So she said, oh, so they need something different. So the goldfish needs this, 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 this. The bunny needs that, 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 that. Then when what kid says later, and she uses it all year long. <laughs> the kid says later, how come Jeremy can go over there with Miss Mary and do drawing?" She says, because Jeremy is a goldfish and you're a bunny and you need different things.
0: I love that. That's, <laughs> that's a great way of, of really explaining every, um, everyone is different.
1: Yeah, and it's the whole thing of um, we make everything equitable, not equal. And that's what we say. Everybody gets what they need in this class. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets what they need in this class.
0: Right, what they need, not not the same. Let's talk a little bit about jobs because we talked a little bit about that already. You mentioned um, maybe somebody writes a note to someone who's absent that day. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of jobs and what they should and should not be?
1: Well, first of all, I think every kid needs a job. And there aren't just three jobs. And some teachers say, but there's, there's not that many jobs. There's actually 500,000 jobs. <laughs> you so always find a
2: job. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it, it could be anything. And we call them professional names too. Because right. kids really like them. We're in a four or five class. From
0: your book, we used a lot of the jobs, and we had snails in our classroom this year as our pet. And uh-huh. we called we found out what the name for a snail someone who studies snails was, which is a malacologist. And so all of our students were running around you know using that word like i'm the malacologist this week (laughs) they love it how
1: fabulous if someone else and they love it don't they
0: they loved it if somebody else watered the snails but i'm the
1: malacologist Uh. that's that's great using that large large words and sophisticated language for young children i found to be super powerful i I would really like to explore that more because I think that gives magic to it.
0: Totally, they like represent learning something new and something they didn't know, so I think it's exciting. And it's like you're giving me, this sounds like a grown-up word, and you're giving Mm -hmm. that to me, so you must respect me and and know that I can handle it.
1: That's right, and with your snail feeder, that (laughs) grown-up word comes with a grown-up responsibility. Mm -hmm. If I'm old enough to have that title, I need to be doing this job really well. And if everybody has a job, they all feel like they're contributing to the classroom to get back to the beginning of that conversation. Totally. That everybody has something to do, and they rotate around, and you get to do various jobs during the year.
2: How often do you typically rotate? Like weekly? Do you do more like monthly, daily? What do you think is a good time we frame did, for them?
1: We did weekly, and yeah. then I learned from another teacher during some presentation I did, that she said she has the kid who has the job teach the new kid who's going to have the job how to do the job.
2: Oh, that's great. Right? Yeah.
1: And I thought that was brilliant. That's a really yes. nice idea.
0: And that brings up the idea of modeling, too, um, which is something yeah. I, th- I think is really important for new groups of kids. Um, and it's great to do it through another child who's already established.
1: Yeah. And I think when you were talking about uh, schools that bump kids into a new class on kind of around their birthday right. sort of thing, um, it's great to partner them up with one or two other kids. Can you so, show so-and-so how we do snack? Can you show so-and-so what we have to do before we go outside? That kind of thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Where well, you're not explaining. I mean, you don't have the time anyway. <laughs> you know? we have other. Kids? Yeah.
0: Have you seen jobs done in a way that probably isn't the most emotionally responsive or um, developmentally appropriate?
1: Well, if you have 24 kids and you have three jobs and then you never follow up, that's probably not very good. Yeah, <laughs> um, for sure. Um, jobs are not there to help you, the teacher, right? They okay, actually yeah. sometimes make it more work for you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So if a teacher is looking at the job like, I'm going to have a bunch of kids do all these jobs in the room and then I'm not going to have to do them, well, you're that's, you're barking up the wrong tree. That's not how it's going to be. You have to really follow up. You have to go back and help the kid do it if they don't know how to do it. You have to make sure they do their work. It's more work. It's more work, especially in the first couple of months, you know, and mm-hmm. it'll get better. But, that, but what do you, what is this whole program for? What is this program for for children? And I think part is teaching responsibility. Mm -hmm. Having children understand it takes all of us to do our part to make our community work. Right. We're all responsible to each other. We're responsible to our environment. To me, that's what we're trying to teach.
0: Exactly. I think it's an important part of building community and you know taking pride in in what you do, especially if it's something that you maybe didn't love doing before, but when you see how you fit in to the community for doing that job, like, wow, I'm so proud that I contributed. Exactly. So let's talk attachment. What is the difference between belonging and attachment?
1: At least the way I use the term belonging is belonging to the community, the classroom community. Attachment is that very special relationship between the adult and the child.
0: Right. Yeah, you started out with, I have grown ups in my life that cherish and guide me.
1: Yeah, there are a lot of kids who, at least kids I've worked with, who do really great with other children. They're, they're very popular with other kids. They're funny. They can do stuff. They're active. And kids are drawn to them. Oh, but yeah. they're not real good with adults. They don't have use for adults. Kids are their people, not adults you know? Right. And those kids sometimes can be hard to manage because they don't attach to adults real easy for whatever reason, mm-hmm. even though they're great kids and they do well with other kids, but that's not going to work for their time through school. And if they ever get a job.
0: So how do we build attachment?
1: You know, I'm going to tell you another story that yeah, happened to me. please. I used to work for a while. I used to work with the department of defense school I mean, I'm an old hippie from the 60s. This was a very weird job to me.
2: But
1: uh, at one of these schools, they wanted me to troubleshoot a couple of classrooms and help teachers who had some issues. This one teacher had a problem, first grade teacher, with uh, one of the little boys in her class. So I always, when when someone tells me that and I go in to go, See, I always expect some big kid who's running around or something, you know. This is (laughs) a little friend guy sitting in the corner by himself doing his thing. So I sat down next to him, and we talked about what he did and what he liked to do after school. And it was only like, oh, couldn't have been more than five minutes, six minutes, because it was right before lunch break. Mm -hmm. So I just chatted about what he's doing, whatever. And some bell rang, and the teacher said, "Okay, everybody, it's time to go." And I thought, "Well, yeah, I don't have much solution for you, lady." But so, <laughs> so the kids are getting up to go, and I start. I said, "Oh, bye!" It was very nice to meet you, and thank you for talking to me. And as I left, she fell on the floor, held onto my leg, yeah. and said, "Please stay here. Please stay here. Please be my teacher." Okay. And I'm like, "Whoa!" You know. And I'm like, does the teacher ever talk to this kid? Do you know what I mean? He was so grateful to have a conversation and talk about himself. So, you know, I said, oh, I'm sorry. I wish I could stay, blah, blah, my little speech thing I had to do. And I'm talking to the teacher and I said, you know, did you know that after school he likes to play t-ball and he's on this t-ball thing? And she said, oh, that stuff is none of my business. No. Well, I don't care what they do out after school. Hmm. I'm like, oh, well, maybe if you talk to him more about that, then he might obey you more and listen to you more. And she said, that that's not my problem. I mean, hmm. come on. You know, I mean, I was furious. It takes a minute. If you have 20 kids in your class and you spend one minute talking to each of them during the day, that's only 20 minutes out of your day. Hmm. That's true. <laughs> You're getting in line to come in from outside from the playground and three kids are standing by you. Well, that's a great time to do your three minutes of chat with kids.
0: It probably becomes more natural after a while.
1: Yeah, you know, they talk a lot now about language development with kids, especially now that kids spend so much time with technology. Um, The research has shown when people, when researchers come into a classroom, that it's like 90% of the talk is what they call housekeeping talk. It's time to get ready for lunch. Everybody go get your things. Who needs to go to the bathroom? That's housekeeping stuff. Make sure the crayons all go back in the box. Check the floor. Make sure there's no markers there. Housekeeping, housekeeping, housekeeping rather than conversation Mm. with kids. And housekeeping talk does virtually nothing to build children's language skills. The goal is to have what we call Fast Five, which is five-sentence conversation. If they start, it's they talk, you talk, they talk, you talk, they talk, and it's over. Or if you start it, it's you talk, they talk, you talk, they talk, you talk. So it's just little things. If they come up and say, I don't like my lunch today, And you say, really, what is there that you don't like about it? Well, I don't eat the peas. Oh, you know, some people like peas, some people don't like peas. If you don't like the peas, you don't have to eat the peas. That's a conversation. It takes, real quick. Or if they want to keep talking and you have things to do, you could say, I wish I could talk more about it now, but I have to go do da da, 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 Exactly. But later, remind me, and then you can tell me what happened.
0: Yeah, it's how you talk to somebody you know, like an equal, and so they know.
1: Exactly.
0: Let's talk about safety. How do you make children feel safe? Kids
1: feel safe when they feel accepted, and doing things where you're you're comparing one child to another in any way makes some kids feel very unsafe. If If you're at circle time and one kid is fidgeting around and you say, look at Daniel, he's sitting there so nicely, and you're doing that so that Fiji kid will act nice, that's a comparison. That's saying to Fiji kid, Daniel's good, I'm not good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you want to say something to Daniel, say it to him. You know, don't compare children to each other. If you have a red-green chart up, children are being compared to each other. They uh, they often don't work on the kid you wanted to work on. Right. My, you know, my troubled son, my second kid, yeah. the <laughs> one that was so hard. He always had red on the chart. He didn't care. (laughs) He'd get to school, boom, boom, boom. Five minutes later, he's he's gone from green to yellow to red right away. Third kid, my girl, was super sensitive about that. She would be terrified on Sunday nights she'd have stomach aches Mm. in one class she was in. What if, what if, what if I do something and I have to pull a card Oy. I'm like go pull a card. Pull three cards. Pull eight cards. <laughs> I don't care how many cards you pull. You're fine. Right. That's a teacher's problem. Don't worry about it. Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh uh. Being compared to other children, uh uh-uh.
0: uh. Uh-huh. I remember we had this in my like fourth or fourth grade class, maybe, we had this like reading chart. well, chart or like contest where you like uh-huh. however many books you read, like you moved uh-huh. along this chart and like I didn't Read. <laughs> so I was not getting anywhere on that chart. And I was just like, cool. So now I see everyone is like <laughs> 10 books it? ahead of me. And, and think, I'm not going
2: to try. It's just discouraging at
0: that point, right? <laughs> I think it is. Well, it's
1: just like, it, I'm, it, so either of you have siblings?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah okay. <laughs> it's like, if at home you're constantly being compared to your better brother right. or your better sister. And you're kind of a loser kid. Yeah. Very quickly, that's mm-hmm. who you are. And I'm, unfortunately, that happened in my family, where three of us happened to be good at school, and my sister happened to have dyslexia, which they didn't know about back in the 50s, 60s. Mm-hmm. Right. So she, she was she had trouble in school, and she grew up thinking she was stupid. How tragic is that? And it turns out she's actually really smart. Totally. <laughs> she's a, she just had trouble reading, but she really, she had a fabulous career as a big project manager for a utility company. Children can't trust you if you're constantly being, comparing them to other kids mm-hmm. or if you're highlighting for them that they're not as right. good as others. We encourage all children. Everybody's at a different level. Everybody's learning. And we encourage all children and appreciate them for everything they can do and support them in things they can't do, but don't highlight, don't have them question whether you value them because they have a deficit.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. I, mean? I feel like a lot of what you're getting at is what you go on to talk about is like being affectionate with to children um, and being nurturing and making that your priority.
1: Yeah, being loving with your kids. And I, you know, that's another Becky Bailey thing is that, um, welcoming children to the classroom every day and saying, do you want a hug, a handshake, a high five? She does that with every kid every day. It's also
0: important. You talk about a little bit about language too, and you talk about using the magic word come instead of go pretty much In- no. instead of like, go wash your hands, come wash your hands
1: big deal and that especially works with twos and threes fours and fives get a little more independent but fours and fives if you have a kid who meets that attachment to say come with me let's go on, let's get online to go outside come with me let's go and wash your hands for snack come with me let's put your your lunch things in the trash so you could get ready to go out again come with me let's go see what the that magnet table is all about mm-hmm. that, that feels special for a kid right? and mm-hmm. not everything that we talk about has to be used for every single kid you need to kind of scope your kid out what does this kid need I mean I could think of kids that if I said with, to him come with me and wash my hands say, well, I can do that myself what <laughs> yeah, are you talking you're
0: about totally <laughs> <right>. you know
1: <laughs> but there are other kids who would feel maybe a kid from a family with seven kids you know who yes. would feel so special to go and wash
0: hands with you. Right. Or that kid who is very anxious about the idea of doing something by themselves. Come is yeah. together and go as alone. Yeah. Let's talk about um, the nurturing activities. I just love all these. The lotion table, the nail painting, the owie table. This stuff would just, for me as a child, would have gone so
2: far. Wouldn't probably done for me,
0: (laughs) (laughs) and I think everyone's different. But
2: that's the whole point. I'm a,
0: I'm a fish. You're a rabbit,
1: yeah. So there you go.
0: Um,
1: Exactly. It's similar to when uh, an adult goes to a hairdresser mm -hmm. or a barber shop. That experience Mm -hmm. of the chit chat and the having something nice done to you, it just feels really good. Mm -hmm. Right? Yes. And that relationship feels good, even though that person doesn't know you. And even if you go there once every six weeks to get your hair dyed or whatever one does there. But there's a nice, intimate feeling there of being cared for. And that translates to doing with the kids to do the lotion and the nail painting stuff. Um, Yes. And we do it, we approach it in the same way. So we pretend we're the, the hairdresser or the masseuse or whatever. So we're having this idle chit-chat with the kids but the kids tend to open up and get very close and comfortable and love it, <laughs> mm-hmm. they love it. And it, it's just so intimate. And the way we've always done the lotion and the um, nail painting is we put a two top table outside in the outside area, you know, mm-hmm. the little teeny table, And um, the teacher's actually supervising, because she could see over the child's head, like supervising the climbing structure or the bike area or something like that um, while they're working with the kid. But, you know, it's like, um, which lotion would you like? And then very slow-paced. We call it a heartbeat pace which lotion would you like and then you open up two or three lotions and have the child smell do you like this one Mm. do you want this one today would you like this one okay let's use this one then would you like me to sing you a song while i do your hands oh would you like to just talk okay let's just talk about it and we do the same with the nail polish
2: so you're like you're so you're rubbing lotion okay. while you're chit chatting or yeah, singing or hands. you're painting nails, but yeah. with like watercolor
0: yeah. paint I, or like maybe even marker or something.
1: For the um, nail painting, we use super super cheap dollar store watercolor paint, okay. and we had our kids wash it off right afterwards because ah. we had had some complaints from some of the boy parents that. Right their kids came home. Even though the boys would choose black and green and it looked sort of like a superhero or something. Mm -hmm. um, There were some complaints. So we just had everybody wash their hands when they were done. And
0: can you talk a little bit about the owie table?
1: Yeah, that is super powerful. Yeah. So we would take a red marker, uh, a watercolor marker, because those make good blood. Mm -hmm. So ask them where their owie is, mark it with a red marker, put a little bit of water on it, a couple drops of the dropper, and it turns into blood. Yeah. Then we would take um, a cotton ball and wipe the blood off and go, oh, I see your owie. I'm going to make it better. I'm here to help you. I'm Actually, our our patter was, I'm here to help you if you have an owie on the outside or an owie on the inside. I love and We that. just got kids who were kind of hurting, you know. Something had to happen to them, perhaps. Mm -hmm. So then we would um, put a Band-Aid on it, say, oh, does this feel better? We're here to help you. So if anything ever hurts, if you have an alley on the outside, the alley on the inside, we will take care of it for you. Right. Kids kids love getting Band-Aids. Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, so, yeah, so that that was... um, a very popular table and we would rotate. We would do a week for one and then switch and do a week and then a week for the other. Mm-hmm. And we had a waiting list because mm-hmm. kids wanted
0: of course a turn. I feel like just the whole just any of these activities that you have for the beginning or starting with a new group, whatever you're doing, are so powerful because even if like if you don't have any boo boo on you, but you get to see, oh, like,
2: if I am hurt, this is the person that will take care of me, or, exactly. or just yeah. like that connection while you're talking. Right. So like while you're sitting there, you can talk or sing. They probably just even if they don't have a boo, they might want to talk or you know sing with you.
0: It's so nice. And then you get a band aid. <laughs> and then
2: you get a takeaway <laughs> gift. <laughs> yes,
1: everything comes with a little prize <laughs> at the end. You get a band aid, you get lotion, or you get your nails painted. Yeah. yeah.
0: You know? <laughs> Wonderful.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh. So, thank you so much. This has been amazing, and we will be in touch with you very soon.
1: Excellent. Thanks a lot. You guys are so much fun to talk to. You too. Thank you. You too. You have a good one. You too.
0: Bye-bye. So, that's our show. If you would like to know more about Jenna Bilmes, you can head over to www.thereflectiveteacherpodcast.com. That's our website, and on it, we post show notes for each episode and resources so you can learn more about each topic we discuss. While you're there, make sure you subscribe to our mailing list so you can stay up to date on all things Reflective Teacher Podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at the Reflective Teacher Podcast, or find us on Facebook under the same name. Thanks for listening!